0: So um, we're talking about this idea that the human condition to find its identity uh, is to look sideways. But for the person who chooses to put their trust in Jesus and to follow him, they need to look up. Uh, God is their identity. And as I was uh, thinking about this and the, the four things that, that we can hold on to, Troy spoke about two of them last week, and the first one is that God chose you. Uh, and the second one, is that he adopted you into his family. And two that I'm going to unpack today are that he sealed the deal for us. It is done. And lastly, that there is an inheritance that we can receive, a transformation that we can receive in our lives. So I'm going to unpack those a little bit later on. But first of all, I wanted to share you a story. Uh, I apologise if you've heard this story before. Some of you have. Um But I can't talk about this topic and not share this story. So, spring 1974, uh, an inner city hospital in Sydney. And a young girl is in the last stages, the final stages of giving giving birth to a baby. Uh, A baby, because of an unyet known set of circumstances, she won't call her own. So, the baby is born and wrapped in a blanket, and put in a crib with no name on the nameplate. All alone, doesn't belong to anyone. And I look back in time, and I feel really sad for that little baby, all alone, small and alone. But the baby does eventually acquire a family. Uh, She acquires a a mum and a dad and a brother and a house and a dog, And she's taken home. But that's not the happy ending. It doesn't happen yet. The happy ending comes much, much later. By the time this little girl could speak, she was broken. She'd been broken um, by a number of people over the few short years that she'd lived. And so one night, in the middle of the night, her brand new, acquired mum packed her and her brother up in the back of the little white Cortina that they owned and drove through the night to safety. They fled to the grandparents' house. Um, She drove through the night to take us away from violence, from alcohol, from anger, from danger, from bruises, from cigarette butt burns, to take us away to safety. My mum drove us through the night. Apparently we arrived there, and that was a safe place to land. But I didn't speak for the first six months. Many will say and make the gag. I have more than made up for it in the years that followed. But as that little girl who had been broken, uh, I, I didn't speak. I didn't quite know what to make of the world, uh, and and we kind of went on a bit of a roller coaster, my little family and I, from then. Um, to a lot of different towns, a lot of different homes, a lot of different people influencing us. And one of the things that continued to be a pattern was the fleeing back to my grandparents' home. Each time something would happen and we would come back. Each time something would happen and we would come back to that safe little place. Uh, And so that meant for for the next decade of my life, it kind of went like this, up and down, up and down. And the the memories in my childhood are fairly sketchy. I don't remember a lot of details, but the ones that I do remember were quite important. And there was one that's really very um, specific in my time. And that was when I was uh, at the end of year nine and I walked into the kitchen and my mum was standing in the kitchen and she said, right, glad you're here. We need to tell you something. We're sending you to boarding school. And what I heard... Because we hate you and we're getting rid of you. That's not what my mum meant. It's not what she said. It's not what she meant. But it's what I heard in my nearly 16-year-old head. So I went back into my bedroom and I remember in my little bedroom, the pink dresser with the mirror and I remember looking in that mirror going, that's it, I'm never going to make it to be a grown-up. I'm just never going to make it. I don't have the wherewithal. I've got this thing in my head that says I was adopted, which equals not wanted. And now here I am again, not wanted, all over again. Um, And a whole lot of things were going on in my head at that time. But the good news is is I went on to go to that boarding school and in the schoolyard, one of my friends came up to me one day and she did this. (sighs) we've got this guy and he's going to talk at our church and he's going to talk about God and I think God might be able to solve your problems. (laughs) Like that. Um, And I said, church can't solve my problems, don't be ridiculous, and I walked away. Um, Except then something happened in my heart that made me turn back to her and go, fine, I'll go to your stupid church. And I did, and I went and I heard an amazing message that God wanted to love me. I didn't hear much else that went on, but I heard that God wanted to love me. And so that night um, in my bedroom where I lived, I said, God, that offer is too good to refuse. Except don't you know, and I listed all the reasons why God ought not love me. I had a stack of them, a really big stack. In fact, it was a massive list. And I I, I sensed God saying, I know all those and they don't matter. I know all those, I've figured it out, I've sorted it, let me love you. And that changed my life forever. It changed the trajectory I was on in my life. It changed everything. So it's really easy to listen to those voices either side. It's really easy to compare yourself to others. And sometimes comparison is okay. Um, I think psychologists call it uh, social comparison theory. And it's okay sometimes. But if all you ever do is look sideways, you might end up with a crick in your neck. Because that's not where you're meant to be looking for your identity. When someone chooses to follow Jesus, they need to look up at God for their identity. They need to take their cues for life from him. So I wanted to take a look. Where do I look? Down here. I wanted to look at uh, all the things that we can say in terms of our comparison I have not accomplished enough, I am not attractive enough, I am not disciplined enough, I am not passionate enough, I am not smart enough, I am not wealthy enough, I am not popular enough, I am not enough, enough, enough. And we end up broken. We need to stop worrying about our self-worth and start thinking about our God-worth. That's where our identity is to be found. So Paul, a writer, writing to the church in Ephesus it's like modern-day Turkey, said the following words, which I think we can really hold on to. He says, In him, Jesus, In him we have received the inheritance. We were foreordained to this according to the intention of the one who does all things in accordance with the counsel of his purpose. In him, you too, who heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed it, In him you were marked out with the spirit of the promise of the Holy One. The spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. That bit right there, that's what I want to talk about, the guarantee of our inheritance. So the world looks sideways. You can look this way and say, which way is he looking? You can look this way and say, I'm so not as good as her. I'm, I'm not as I'm not as clever. I'm not as dedicated. I'm not as good a mum as that mum. I'm not as good as friend. I'm not as good a wife. All of those I'm not as good as. And the reality is, you may not be. But the God of the universe chose you, so it doesn't matter if you're not good enough. It's actually not relevant. It doesn't matter. No one is good enough. Um, John 15:16 says, I chose you before you chose me. That's God saying, you think you chose me? You didn't. I chose you before you chose me. God chose us. And he didn't wait until we had it all sorted out. He chose us before we had anything, even vaguely, sorted out. I know that for myself. And he sealed the deal. Okay, so I've got my little picture of a seal here. So, you know, like when the king makes a decree and his little scribes write it down and they put some wax on it and he gets his ring and he says, that's it, deal sealed. Or like when you, when you get a guarantee of authenticity and it's got that little seal at the top and you know it's for real, it's a seal of authenticity. So, that's what God did for us. You're running what is there for. Just wait. This is what God did for us. He said, I choose you, sealed the deal. It's not a seal that you can pick off and change. He's chosen you and it's done. Um, It actually, in in, uh, the NIV, some of you may know this, it says, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the Holy Spirit. It's his authenticity, his commitment, his mark, his, his identifying of his ownership of you. So there's a beautiful scene in Toy Story when Woody's like sitting there and he's, his friends have gone because he rejected them and he's chasing down this whole idea of being like a famous toy in a museum and he's reflecting these ponderings going, should I have chosen my friends? Where should I be? Like and he's looking and he's looking and he's looking and then what does he do? He looks at his shoe And he sees who he belongs to. That's what God has done for us in this seal. He's marked us with a seal. And you might say, well, what's the seal? Is there like some writing on? No, it's the Holy Spirit. So what God did was he said, I'm so going to show to you that you belong to me. I'm actually going to leave my presence in your life. That's what the Holy Spirit is, the presence of God in our lives. The deal is done. God chose us. He brings us into his family to belong to him. He adopts us. Not everybody's cool enough to say they've been adopted twice. (laughs) He's marked us with his ownership of us in his life, the Holy Spirit. His presence travels with us, his spirit in his life every day. It's like a guarantee, a down payment, a deposit that we are his. So it, it's really easy to stay in this place of, I'm not as good as her, I'm actually no good, I'm actually quite useless. So there was a story that I, I remember, again, things are sketchy but there are some that I remember really, really well. And there's one where we were living with my mum's boyfriend and he had invited his son and fiancé over, it was Christmas. And the fiance, her name was Wilma, and she had had a little too much to drink because she was speaking with that kind of slightly too loud, overbearing, verbose voice. And I was this little girl in primary school, and she looked me dead in the eye and she said, We don't like you. We like your brother better. You're like boring goody two shoes. You're like plain Jane. You're nobody. We don't like you. You're nobody. I can't remember, they're the words that played like a record player in my head for years to come. I would go to try and do something and in the back of my head is this record player playing that says, you are nobody, we don't like you, you're abandoned, you're adopted, you're no good, you're useless, you're nobody. And it would play and play and play. And what I had to do was stop it, switch the record and listen to a different tune in my head where I had to say, no, I'm not listening to that because that's not who I am. I'm listening to who God says I am. So I had this little book of, um, of uh, Bible promises that someone gave me many years ago as a brand new Christian. And it was this tiny little book and I would sit there and I would pour through it and I would read them and read them and read each promise. And it was just verses from the bible which were like the promises god made to his people and it was like i was reprogramming my head so that instead of listening to this rubbish i was listening to that truth and so every time that record player would play i would say no take every thought captive and submit it to the lord because that's a bible verse someone taught me once take every thought grab you no what do you think of this? Nah, chuck it out. Every thought grabbed and put before God. Again and again and again. So the other way we can look is this way and go, I am so good. So that was I am no good. This one is I am so good. Okay. I'm actually really awesome and really fantastic and I'm I'm so way better than her. I would never do it that way. You know, all those comparisons. I don't ever say stuff like that. Troy's laughing at me Well, like, I'll never do it that way. Ugh, I'm not like that. Okay, maybe a bit. Um, but we can actually fall into that trap as well. And where that trap leads us is, if I can be good enough, then when I can go to God, I can go, see, see how awesome I am? See how much you should let me belong to you? And we start doing this competing so that we can say, God, you... You owe me because I'm really awesome. And God doesn't owe us anything. We've all gone astray. We're all far away from God. And in fact, when we were all far away is when God said, oh man, these guys need to be brought back to me. And he sent Jesus. And Jesus gathered the people back to God with his life, death and resurrection. And so because of Jesus whether we think we're no good or so good, and it gathers us back to God, we get this inheritance. It says says in that verse, you are marked with a seal and you get an inheritance. So what's the inheritance? What is it? What could it possibly be? It must be really great because it's God giving us this inheritance. And I I thought long and hard about it because I've kind of like known, you know, we get this inheritance, but we actually inherit everything all of it the god's god's riches the gifts of god his his kingdom his when 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 he fully unravels the chaos of the world and makes everything purpose, uh, perfect we'll inherit that the inheritance is is God himself. We get to be found in him. So if you have a bit of a look, you know, when you go home today and you're all really super eager and you flip open Ephesians, read it and count how many times it says in him. That there is the inheritance. So when I think about um, that my mum packed me up in her Cortina and drove us all the way home to safety to my grandparents' house, when someone in history goes back and Googles her, who are they going to find in her? me because i belong to her in fact we live under the same roof now she's awesome i'm hers she totally adopted me she didn't partially adopted me she fully adopted me in the same way that when someone looks up god in the future who are they going to find me because i'm his i'm in him i can be found in him i belong to him i'm part of his inheritance And so if you're thinking that you need to be good to impress God, same thing. That's a record you need to turn off and stop playing. You need to swim in your own lane. You need to look to where you're going, not where they're going and not where they're going, not to try and keep up or to compete. Just go where you're meant to go because of who God created you to be. So the, the whole, you know, if we go right back to the beginning of the story, the whole creation of the world and God said, let's make these people in my image, let's make them the way we want them to be. But the world got broken and the unconditional love and acceptance that we had got replaced by feelings of rejection. And so we, we have this need to belong and Jesus, he gave us that belonging back. And the innocence that we had was replaced by guilt and shame. And we need that self-worth back. There's um, this awesome lady that I listen to on the podcast, That her name's Brene Brown, and she talks about shame. And there's this one line she has where she says, um, shame is the swampland. Oh, I can't remember it now. Something, it's like a swampland, right, of life. And, and the point she says is shame is is not a place you are meant to set up house. It's a meant, you're meant to put on your gumboots, march your way through it, and get out the other side and get on with living. So it doesn't matter who you are, you go your course, because that's who God has created you to be. So, our true image is based not on our behaviour or the approval of others, but on what God says is true of us. So I want to finish with this idea. It's called a test pattern. We need a test pattern right this is Romans 12 don't let yourselves be squeezed into the shape dictated by the present age don't listen sideways and get squeezed instead be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can work out what God's will is what is good acceptable and complete okay so this is a test pattern you remember that who remembers the test pattern You were all up way too late at night, if you remember the test pattern. It would come on, kids, it would come on when there was nothing on TV. I promise you, there was a time when there was nothing on TV. You would switch it on and... Is that the noise it made? In my head, that was the noise it made. Okay. So, this idea, we need a test pattern... And so what they would do is they would put this on to make sure that the signal that the TV producers were making, what was arrived, was what was arriving on your box. So you could make sure that your signal was indeed round. And that your black was indeed black and that your red was indeed red. Okay, so you can have a test pattern. And I would like to pitch to you today that if we're going to stop listening, it's, ours is wrong, yeah, anyway. <laughs> You need to stop listening this way and stop listening that way and start looking at Jesus as your test pattern. How do I need to live? What does he say about me? How did he live? We need to turn off the record players of the things we ought not be listening to, stop comparing ourselves, focus our attention on Jesus and live the way he wants us to. Change comes slow, it is not easy. Trust me. I agonised this week leading up to this message going, I'm so no good. Who am I to speak? Who, like I've got no idea. I don't even have a clue. I mean Troy does it beautifully. The last time Cindy, she was amazing and, and I'm just doing this and I'm trying to write this message about not comm- and then it occurred to me, oh wait, that's exactly what I'm doing. Okay, that's my blonde, maybe, coming out. But if you are going to stay in your own then look to what God is saying, and compare yourself to the ultimate test pattern, then you might need to apply everything in your life. You might need to think about and recalibrate when you snap at someone, when you lose interest in something, when you react badly about something, when you don't prioritise things, when you're stuck in shame, when you're trying to be perfect, When nothing satisfies you, when you're chasing something down and have the sinking feeling that you're chasing something that you shouldn't be, you need to look to your test pattern. Go back and have another look at Jesus. Open up the scriptures. Listen to what other people are saying about him. Spend time listening to who God says you are. You need to to take your credit card statement and put it up there against what God says you should be prioritizing. You need to take your diary and you need to measure it up against what Jesus says you need to be doing. You need to take what's coming out of your mouth and see if it lines up with who Jesus says you are. You need to pay attention to your self-talk and you need to have a look at who you're trying to impress because we actually don't need to impress anyone. In fact, we don't even need to impress God because he chose, chose us before we chose him. So... We need to remember that if we think we're no good the God of the universe chose us and if we think that we're good enough we need to remember that we're not he chose us before we were good enough and we need to allow the voice of God to be the loudest voice no wait we need to set aside time to listen to God narrate the story to make the audacious claims about who we are, no wait, to intimately whisper, I'm really fond of you, I chose you, we're family, you're mine, I know the whole story and more, I chose you all day long, I choose you and I chose you before you chose me. I've been adopted twice. I'm very lucky, sorry everyone. Don't compare yourselves to me. I know it's tempting Though, no. I actually think that if we were to stop listening to the lies and start listening to the truth and take every thought captive and present it to God, he might actually transform us slowly, slowly, slowly. So there's some little cards on your uh, on your seats there. I wonder if you can grab them. This might be some things that you need to, to Remember? You might need to write your own. You might actually sit down and go, on, I'm going to draw a column and on one side I'm going to write the lies I believe and on another column I'm going to write what God says about those things. You might want to um, put this up somewhere in your house so that you remember and swap the lies for the truth because our identity is to be found in in no other place but God. So two things to finish. If you know it, if you know you are his and you are a part of his family, then go back again and say, who do you want me to be? I know my identity is found in you. Who do you want me to be? Where am I looking sideways? And if you are a person who's listened to that and said, oh, I like that idea of having my identity found in God, but I don't know this Jesus. Then chase him down. Get on board the journeys group that's happening. Open up your Bible. Talk to somebody next to you and say, who is this Jesus and what's he done for you? Chase him down. I did. One night I went home into my bedroom and said, God, that idea of you loving me, that's too good to refuse. What if you said that? What if you said that? And what if your life was radically changed because of it?